thing that keeps me together is falling apart. I got this thing that I consider my only order of fucking people over. My boss just quit the job. Says he's going out to find blind spots and he'll do it. The third planet is sure when they're being washed. By an eye in the sky and the can't stop when you get to the promised land. You're gonna shake the eye's hand. sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend you're listening to the beyond a top secret texan bringing you a new episode of the beyond top secret texan podcast thank you all very much for your support for the greatest audience out there in dreamland 
I am broadcasting you, broadcasting to you again from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. my great honor to be doing so. It's my great privilege to be doing so. Absolute paradise. Now that spring is in full swing, March has fully entered like a lion. The green lion of spring. The green lion of the alchemical transformation of the life energy. I'm going to be speaking to you guys about an extra, uh, rather, let me rephrase this all, and think very, think of first before I plant my feet firmly down. I am going to be speaking to you about an crypto-terrestrial, not an extraterrestrial, not an ultra-terrestrial life form, but rather a crypto-terrestrial life form. Meaning that it is a native earthling having evolved in the myriad of ecosystems and trees of life firmly rooted in Earth's deep time. Gaining sentience, gaining technology, Foraging societies in their ecosystems and, yes, exploring outward, handling and relating with the world, and in fact, with the other various intelligent life forms thereon. Crypto-terrestrials are called crypto-terrestrials not because they are earthlings, but because they have remained hidden and are kept secret by the various governments and scientific governing bodies currently empowered by the human forces. And yes, ultimately by the directorate of the Astra High Command and various higher dimensional entities requests to keep mankind unaware and psychically free from any scarring that may occur from a premature exposure to information and truth. They may not be mature enough to intelligently handle and process. These crypto-terrestrials vary in biological forms, vary in advancement, technological advancements, as well as intellectual capabilities, sapience. They range from being able to spread and diversify across a wide range are being narrowed and kept isolated by their specific environmental requirements that they have evolved within. 
crypto terrestrials are very interesting because they provide an alternative solution to the mysteries present in the UFO phenomenon, the UFO reality, as well as our understanding of it. Like, not only self in the body of evidence that it has, but our understanding of it as well, as researchers, as experiences, as people. This alternative does not rely on either the purely spiritual or the purely extraterrestrial hypotheses. The theories of the crypto-terrestrial were present long before society began even being able to comprehend and express them, but have been popularly championed by such researchers as Jacques Vallée from France, the French ufology expert, phenomenology expert, by John Keel, who understood the connection between cryptids UFO sightings and psychic phenomena otherwise considered spiritual in nature and that what seemed to be highly individual disconnected phenomena such as seeing lights in the sky aircraft of mysterious nature seeing cryptids unknown creatures unknown beasts that science has not discovered, as well as ghosts or psychic apparitions of the spiritual and metaphysical in nature. Now, these three phenomena make up not three individual and separate phenomena, but one tangibly connected super phenomenon known as reality. Is just like we interpret reality to be a shared space between humanity and nature. These crypto terrestrial realities are the phenomenon present in the encounters and intersections between human beings and other natural intelligent life native to this planet as we explore as we spread out as we claim dominion over this earth our encounters with these crypto terrestrials have been recorded in history with various explanations ranging from angelic intervention the powers of jinn and fey folk the I guess you would call it the purely 
extraterrestrial hypothesis, which is much more inaccurate than it is accurate, simply for the basis, not because of technology, but for the basis of it being on a faulty premise that intelligent life, if it existed on Earth, would have to be us. Only us. Only human beings. Only Homo sapien. Surely, one can only need to use their imagination to understand the complexities present in the minds and mental abilities of the very creatures we blindly assume we are superior to. One of the major factors that goes unconsidered when discussing, and by discussing I mean when uh, typically trying to debunk and to disprove the radical notion that civilizations could not only exist on Earth, but exist in multiple parts of different timelines on the Earth, and go fully undetected. Either from our archaeologists, are our current observers and observant technologies. The debunkers, no matter how highly educated and acclaimed they are through academia, are always incorrect and arrogant in their assumptions, putting humanity both at a seemingly a priori edge when it comes to technological advancements as well as a seemingly preternatural ability to judge the ancient past through mere observations of things like the geological record. Well, in my many research hours my many pursuits and communications with various extraterrestrials themselves on astral realms and remembering what I've been forced to forget had my mind wiped from but regained through hard work dedication and the recovery of memories through things like hypnosis, psychedelic experience, etc. Is that one such crypto-terrestrial race is what we would call native to Antarctica. It is amphibian in nature. It is a combination of high technology... Yet it is in a crisis, ecological crisis and collapse. And that for all its achievements and longevity in existence, it is now facing extinction. 
through no fate or action of any antagonist enemy, but rather the very geological processes and chaos of the physical world. These beings, these amphibians, which are Antarctic amphibians, evolved in Antarctica when it was a lush jungle paradise. A rainforest the size of the U- North America. I was going to say United States, but then I remembered the United States is not, not all of North America. But rather, a geological island, or not even an island at this point. Because that's how far in the past that we were talking. Antarctica was once connected with South America to a land bridge. To a point on the south of the Patagonians, where currently Argentina and Chile exist. And it was connected via this land bridge to the whole of South America, making a type of dumbbell shape with the Amazon rainforest being a great central landmass. Oh, and then you also consider the Central American Isthmus and then the entirety of the North American arboreal landscape. And you start to see that this was the Western Hemisphere originally bulbous megacontinents connected by isthmuses patterned off North America and the isthmus connecting it to South America and South America and the isthmus connecting it to Antarctica. The Antarctic island came into being after a tsunami occurred originating from the Pacific Ocean either after a asteroid impact or intervention by extraterrestrial technologies either as a weaponized attack on a pre-existing civilization the Orion Draco being most likely the targets of such a tsunami, such a disruption of the oceanic level, or the evacuations of the Ryan Draco technology on Earth, activations of some portals, activation of a stargate, activation of some domestically produced weaponry in their own war efforts, which caused, ultimately caused, whether inadvertently, inadvertently are specifically targeted to caused the separation of Antarctica from South America. And that the isthmus that connected the two was severed, creating the uh, the Cook Strait currently. Let me see if that is correct. Hold on one second. Let me pull my notes. I don't have my notes currently in front of my face. 
for Antarctica. Antarctica, South America, connect, land bridge, alright, yeah, it was called the Magellan Land Bridge, originally, and it was separated, after the Cretaceous, and theorized as recently as the 1600s. Drake's Passage, not Cook's Channel. It was Drake's Passage. From the Falkland Islands, south of Georgia, in O'Shea, the Drake Passage separates South America and Antarctica with Elephant Island, South Orkney Island, and South Shetland Islands being leftovers from mountaintops through this isthmus the majority of the topsoil being swept away, but the passage itself remaining relatively still obvious to be the remains of a land bridge. Before you reach the Antarctic Peninsula, which stretches through the Weddell Sea off the Ron Ice Shelf. As we know, Antarctica is a landmass covered in ice, unlike the North Pole which is a pure ice mass covering an ocean. The species, physiologically, is amphibian. They are basically easily described as humanoid frogs, humanoid salamanders, humanoid newts, with the physiology present of that of your amphibian. What separates an amphibian from a mammal is its organ structure, specifically its heart chambers, and the many differences physiologically that are unique to amphibians versus those of reptiles, mammals, or avians. Even fish are very, very different than amphibians. And amphibians are quite unique, possessing quite unique traits, such as the ability to literally breathe through their skin, to have a metamorphic life cycle, beginning at tadpole, and then metamorphosizing into frog, one of the rare complex multicellular animals to do so, that are not arthropods. Amphibians are typically characterized, though, across the board, regardless of the specific subtype of amphibian. And yes, I'm including toads. They have black eyes. They have expressionless faces. 
They have wide mouths. They are all typically carnivorous. Their skin is typically kept moist with a layer of mucus. And as their name implies, they evolved for a semi-aquatic. An absolutely essential part of their physiology is high, high levels of moisture and water. Now, just like explaining primate physiology to a person who has never seen a human being before wouldn't paint a accurate enough picture to state that we have thumbs, hair on our heads and bodies. Um, we stand on two legs, we have two arms, we have two eyes, we have you know, lips, we have that cover our teeth instead of exposed teeth uh, for that distinction. You know, we have um all these different little physiological features. No tail, for example. Without kind of giving you an example of what they look like, right? This looks like this, but like with a little bit of difference. These amphibians look almost entirely like greys. They look almost entirely like greys. And if a layman saw them, they would easily mistake them for greys. They would... Even an expert would be hard-pressed to spot the differences unless they knew what to look for. The greys technology, the greys greener hues, and more plant-like actual attributes. Versus the slimier, more natural, wetter, reptilian appearance of these amphibian greys. The colors are also variable, with gray being common, but not necessarily the default pattern for these cryptozoological Antarctic amphibians of incredible intelligence and technological advancement. In fact, the common color depends on the geography that they are discovered in. In fact, the claim of them being entirely amphibian is only speculative based on the research done by one Florida Maquis. And Florida Maquis is a fantastic researcher. He is a favorite of the Beyond Top Secret Nixon experience. He is a favorite of this channel because his work made me realize that it's possible for someone like myself to follow this full time, to be heard, to be listened to, just like I was listening to him.
the research that Florida Mackey has done is the connection between the amphibian fossils considered to be specifically from the Triassic era and mainstream paleontology but actually date into the Jurassic and Cretaceous following the entirety of the dinosaur existence and modern day paleontology meaning generally the ancient and primordial landscape environments of Antarctica but these fossils are found elsewhere in North America and South America Eurasia Africa Australia although they are far 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 more frequently found in the southern hemisphere specifically in colder environments meaning that it is most likely a temperate climate that they evolved to thrive in much like the coniferous forests of North America Alaska Canada are currently or the southern extent of South America is currently and very likely the cavernous interiors of much of Antarctica is currently just like Siberia is a highly wet marshy yet cold coniferous wetland known as the taiga with both reindeer and mosquitoes being in extremely great abundance and where both entrances and exits are heavily heavily theorized and suspected to exist given that this species has a family tree just like how we have primates but primates are only really a few million years if if you really want to break it down to the mainstream science a few million years old with greater apes being even younger than that and the great boom and bust of primate evolution for example seeing dozens of humanoid and homonym species rising up within a few million years of each other fighting for dominance before eventually Homo sapien arose and all the technologies that we have, all the advancements that we have evolved occurred as recently as 200,000 years into the evolution of the modern human mind. These crypto-terrestrials, these amphibians, these Antarctic amphibians, have had hundreds of millions of years to properly evolve regardless of how unfortunate of a mental creature they've had to evolve from that being of amphibian and yes you can say the amphibian is not much smarter 
than the the you know fish or any other animal, right? That is actually quite you know simple and actually quite dumb. Not all amphibians are the same, and I'm not saying the current amphibians were the obvious roots of it. This is a debate between evolution and not everything evolves as equally as everything else. And that the odds are actually extremely great if once you open your mind to it, this suggests that amphibians could be candidates for a social pack-hunting predator to have evolved... In certain beneficially and artificially isolated environments to sustain itself, exploiting those niches that, say, dinosaurs, their competition, could not infringe upon, and that their cooperation and intelligence being factors of their survival helped create a society probably at a much longer, much longer time frame than us. But instead of 200,000 years, even if it took 200 million years, if they started at the Triassic, then in 200 million years, it would still put them hundreds of millions of years before humanity. And that they could have existed to pursue technologies and societies as well as explorations of the world and gone through various terraforming cataclysms that reduced their society reduce their explorative efforts, change the world's environment radically, and not only that, this was actually part of a cyclical expansion of multiple species through competitions, etc. And that these Antarctic amphibians may not be the superior dominant force on Earth. I'm not saying they are. I'm not even saying they're the most dominant crypto-terrestrial. I'm just saying that this is clearly an avenue of thought to pursue that these amphibians possibly thrived during the ice ages, during the colder epochs of the earth, and thus were able to ultimately use those eras to rise, to explore, and then to fall. And may have been influential in even the evolution of the earth and the conditions that we are facing now. They may have been uh, influential in the evolution of mankind. They are definitely influential in the, the exploration and discovery of Antarctica because this species was one of the first to be encountered by the British and their explorations into South America. Hostilities did occur. There was conflict. There were military operations from Her Majesty's troops His Majesty's troops the royal troops the, this was during the Victorian era the 1800s so these people would be redcoats actually with pith helmets going into Antarctica setting up the first bases fighting the first secret wars of course it's like saying you're going to invade any country, North America, say you're trying to invade Russia with a uh, uh, hundred people, you're not going to make a lot of ground. But this is the beginning that set in motion the discovery and the knowledge of these creatures with governments of the world, especially those who are already engaged, say, in World War I, the Habsburgs, specifically the British. 
these creatures possess a lot of technology, but they're not invincible. But their physicality, their physical nature, is both a blessing and a curse. For while they are always represented as being frail in appearance, ill-suited even to walking on their feet and living in our environments, and only sighted during severe weather, overcast, or periods of night. That these physical limitations, both of their size and stature, and presumably of their physical strength, being very, very slight in nature, being very weak in nature, being very fragile in nature, and their temperament, their health being so fragile that exposure to our atmosphere seems to kill them, or actually, in fact, the exposure to high temperatures even seems to absolutely destroy their constitution and their ability to function. They seemingly are the canary in the coal mine because their amphibious nature is highly, highly sensitive to pH imbalance, to temperature, to dehydration, and a myriad of other things that keep amphibians basically locked in the environments that they are currently in. A tree frog from the Amazon cannot survive in the deserts of New Mexico, and a toad from the deserts of New Mexico cannot survive in the swamps of the Everglades. Things like water levels, things like hydration, things like natural food sources are incredibly important to the lifespan and survival of amphibians. But in almost every single case where these amphibians have been reported that this that separates them from the greys, that makes them unique from the greys, above everything else, despite their physical similarities, is the fact that their skin is highly, highly venomous. Their skin is highly venomous, and even proximity with it, let alone contact with it, can spell certain death for any unlucky enough person to make contact with it. That if you were seeking uh, to assist it, if you were seeking to harm it, if you were even seeking to reclaim its body or to even investigate it, if you were seeking to even make make contact with it, communicate with it, and you were not wearing personal protective environmental gear, 
basically a spacesuit. Death may be as quick, depending on your physiological reactions, as five minutes. That lifelong chronic fatigue and cellular syndromes, autoimmune disorders, organ failure, cancer, etc., are almost 100%. This is an involuntary response from itself to stress and a vulnerability of our physiology which it has exploited to evolve to defend itself under times of attack and stress naturally because I believe it's amphibian DNA, it's amphibian roots were those of a type of frog, a tree frog found in the Amazon jungle but whose origins could be anywhere as one spot's as good as anywhere that has spread, spread in the tropical and lush environments the key relating factor being its need for highly moist, highly hydrated environments. And that these frogs were the basis for the social pack hunting frogs that would eventually become the Antarctic amphibians whose territory or whose very physiology was evolved more for a lush temperate environment rather than the hot, steaming Amazon jungle. And that this was a survival strategy that made much more sense when considering the ice ages that consumed the world and plunged much of the world's surface for hundreds of thousands of years under ice. Glaciers stretched as far as the eye could see. All of the warm and shallow oceans having receded or frozen over. The water pulled into polar caps. This ice may have been even intentionally created to better suit a specifically environmentally suited creature that was actually endangered, physically and mortally endangered, by the default environments and basic weather of the planet that it evolved to live on. The majority of the surface of the world and even some subterranean avenues of it were completely off limits to it based on its need for near polar conditions, near Siberian conditions, just like how the majority of animals in Africa and South America, Europe and Asia, Australia, the South Pacific, etc., all around the world, the majority of life forms would die within a matter of hours if dropped off in Antarctica.
I believe that at first there was some middle ground. There was a compromise, maybe a, a idea of balance, but that the technologies that they employed got quickly out of hand, <coughs> causing too severe of a freeze, maybe being seen as a direct attack or a threat to pre-existing, also existing dominant powers, such as the Orion Draco. Maybe resulting in counterattack. Maybe resulting in, ultimately, the destruction of much of their surface civilization. An intentional scrubbing from the history books and exclusions from extraterrestrial alliances based on the political power and influence of an enemy such as the Orion Draco or the Astro High Command. These persona non grata, these excluded, defeated Antarctic amphibians may have tried to then hide either deep within mountains, glacial mountains, under the ocean, or in Antarctica. one of the last major unexplored, unclaimed areas of the world. And one of the few places that environmentally resembled at least what the Antarctic amphibians needed to survive rather than the desertification and the quickly heating and pH level rising oceans and environments of the equator and further and further into the uh, temperate regions of the world. These are the creatures, I believe, <laughs> whose hostilities are still being encountered on Earth that explain for why the gray aliens deny being <coughs> connected with any militant, terroristic, marine human environment or marine human offshoot subspecies like the, the sirens. Why the sirens themselves seem to know that there is powers at work that are not represented by the Astar High Command or any pre-existing or currently existing power structure because they themselves being connected to the oceans, connected to Antarctica may have sided with these Antarctic amphibians for their technology, for their intellectual skills maybe their mastery of genetics, maybe as at a desperate alliance of underdogs against something that they will never willingly make peace with. That which has defeated them and forced them into a species or a species retreat. This is all very much open for debate and theorization, of course. But I wanted to at least make that point clear, that there are crypto-terrestrials present, that I want to make a series based on these crypto-terrestrials, 
and the different possible origins in our own fossil record to species, events, and societies about subterranean, under the ocean, submarine, and Antarctic slash lost continent using the information gathered from lost continents, uh, Tartarian research, extraterrestrial phenomenon, as well as the um, collective works of eyewitnesses and their accounts and experiences from channels like Beyond, Creepy, etc. But that the Antarctic Amphibians explains the vast majority of gray, quote-unquote, gray alien sightings that involved marine, Antarctic, or polar environments and toxic and poisonous contact with their skin as well as the descriptions of the dry versus slimy aliens. And this is a weird distinction to make, but a lot of times the distinction comes down to that. Are gray aliens papery and dry? Almost like the leaves of a plant in appearance? Or are they mucusoid like constantly sweating are seemingly covered in a goo because the appearances of the Antarctic amphibian are oftentimes described as being organ-like like seeing the surface of a liver or a kidney shiny, reflective, smooth, wet, glistening mucosal, like a lamprey or a fish skin, as well as smelling of ammonia, and that incidences involving greys of this nature have been blamed for the plague in Europe, have been blamed for many people going ill, say for example in the incident of Corpus Christi. The UFO incident of Corpus Christi occurred In 1973, a UFO was seen flying directly into Corpus Christi Bay, Oso Bay, from the Gulf of Mexico. It was spotted, tracked. It was attaining speeds of up to 3,000 miles per hour. It flew past and through Corpus Christi, monitored by the Naval Air Station here in the International Airport. Flew past Corpus Christi, down southwest at an angle to Laredo, Texas, Nuevo Laredo, before it was accidentally hit with an airplane, collided with an airplane, forcing it to crash in Mexico. The story of this UFO crash in Mexico is oftentimes called the Mexican Roswell. The Mexican Roswell saw a group sent out by the Mexican army, the Federales, to acquire this UFO and to, you know, recover it as a bargaining chip for their Freemasonic government elements to the United States government elements. Simultaneously, a government a United States government, military, an army, 
recovery team was assembled, flown out from San Antonio. The Mexicans found it first. They loaded it onto a truck. And it's at this time was they were moving it. A environmental breach occurred. A contamination of a biological hazard proceeded from the very skin and atmosphere that this being possessed inside the ship. And that every single man who was present in that special forces team of federales, from driver to soldier to engineer, was found by the Americans where they died without moving that UFO a half a mile down the road. Meaning that the deaths weren't instantaneous, but they weren't agonizing enough and immediate enough to stop the soldiers from trying to relocate it. Very interesting effects of the poisons. They're subtle, but 100% fatal causing seemingly just loss of consciousness without many other symptoms, but have survived causing symptoms such as organ failure, um, ulcers, internal bleeding, hemorrhaging of the brain, etc. And that this is not as alien as you would think when considering the poisonous and toxic effects of amphibians. For amphibians, like the Amazonian tree frogs, are literally the most toxic, most poisonous, most venomous life forms in existence outside of jellyfish, some kinds of snails, and octopus. Which themselves are local to the earth. So, it's not insane to think that a life form, especially one of sufficient vulnerabilities as a highly intelligent dinosaur frog would both evolve to live where it's dangerous as natural dangers are at a minimum of encounter and exposure and its physiological protection is at a maximum regardless of size regardless of power of its opponent or its enemy or number, depending on, say, pack hunters like velociraptors, etc., that this defense mechanism of exuding poisons, regardless of you survive or not, that kill whoever or whatever is not your kind or your species around you physically, is a pretty powerful evolutionary weapon to have create to have harnessed and created. In fact, many animals currently do. Still possess that. And they they guarantee their survival that way. This would also mean that it defies the human ego. And when considering things like the way our mythology is created, no matter how strong or physically dominating and supreme and superior genetics were that creatures like the basilisk like the chimera like the medusa 
like the Hydra, are, yes, reptilian in appearance, and, yes, also bird-like and, and chimeric, like, you know, having many multiple elements of different fearsome creatures. But maybe those were all metaphors for various primeval forms of predators or crypto-terrestrials themselves that could possess adaptive elements and traits like venom, like poison, electricity, that would be monstrous. And needing warriors, needing teams of warriors, needing highly skilled hunters to face down and destroy. And because of an ever-changing and rapidly changing environment, post-cold, uh, post-ice age, human thaw, human expansion, that they would be relics, they'd be mostly extinct, highly endangered, rendered almost infertile, are more vulnerable to things like drought, uh, forest fire, you know, etc. Cataclysms of various kinds. And that this is all hand-in-hand with the idea of dragons, the idea of these frog demon people, these these cruel, uncompassionate, merciless, inhuman, seemingly hostile creatures with advanced technologies. But I'm not saying we encountered them back in biblical days. I'm not saying we encountered them in ancient days. But I am saying that maybe something did. Maybe some element had intersected, cross-intersected, and compound, compounded amplified, multiplied the threat and seriousness of these Antarctic amphibians to the point that it was dealt with, it was handled, and in fact, we are still dealing with only the endangered last generations of a civilization that is uh, possibly even millions of years old, but whose influence we recorded in ancient times. Specifically, the migration of giants from the Southlands to the North who may have been fleeing and ultimately even destroyed by members of this species. There are records and artistic depictions for example, of the basilisk driving out entire nations of giants. The representation of the poisonous asp pursuing and harassing and killing the exodite Hebrews, for example. Very likely that men of great stature, beings of great stature, relatives to humanity, maybe not Homo sapien, but Neanderthal or Homo Denisovan, encountered this species who was much more technologically advanced and were defeated, were driven forward, were driven out, maybe driven to extinction as they sought to colonize and expand southward 
maybe this species was highly influential in the suppression of such a large and powerful being's technological growth, viewing them as a significant and powerful threat. And thus, you see the complexities and dangers present in such a crypto-terrestrial hypothesis that our society may have forever been handicapped and manipulated if not for the intervention of extraterrestrials by dying infertile relics of long gone eons having themselves climbed and survived Darwin's corpse ladder for millions of years and viewing humanity as nothing but a potential threat to be exterminated and would have in fact even done so if it weren't for before mentioned protection both on the higher dimensional astral dimensional realms and physical technological realms material realms but also the terraforming of the very planet itself where their biggest threat is not our advanced weaponry but mother nature herself and the relentless heating of the world and that the climate change that mankind is blamed for creating that it fears may doom itself to destruction and distinction may in fact be the ace card that we have been dealt and the destruction not of our society but of other rival crypto terrestrial societies now to leave off I'm going to include the audio for Florida Matt Key's work on this subject as a tribute and as respect to the inspiration that I received when hearing this for myself, but I absolutely recommend you guys check out his YouTube channel, Florida Mackey, as well as his Patreon, Florida Mackey. <coughs> Go check out the Patreon. Excellent researcher, excellent guy. Um, loved his work for a few years by now. Excellent. Cannot stress enough how intelligent this guy really is. He is definitely creating um, a very clear picture of a very, very complicated puzzle. And he is putting in the work to do it. So thank you all very much for listening to me, the Beyond Top Secret Texan, speaking to you about the Antarctic amphibians, the reality of crypto-terrestrials, the implications therein. Now, we'll be listening to him. He'll be taking it away. I want you to get, thank you guys. I want you guys to know that if this is your first episode and everything, check out Linktree, Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, of course, check out Instagram. Check out um, the merch store that I got. You can find links on Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. So, well, let's check out my TikTok page. Check out um, YouTube. 
for example. I may not be producing videos there anymore, but it stands as a good archive of the work I've already done. Go ahead, check out those videos if you're a visual learner and everything like that. I also maybe start uh, live streaming and making videos for Spotify. Looking into that. So thank you all very much. If you guys would like the visual components to that, they may be coming up on Spotify. But check out my Anchor FM if you want to subscribe and receive the exclusive episodes um, of this podcast. And thank you all very much for doing that, doing so in advance. Check out my Telegram group. Exactly. You can find everything you need to know on my link tree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. God bless you and peace out. Oh wait, don't remember like that's just that's just me signing off. Stick around. Next 15 minutes, you'll be hearing the Florida Mackey speaking about Antarctic amphibians, crypto terrestrials, and the connections between the two. Over 17 feet long, weighing in at nearly a thousand pounds, with a mouthful of razor sharp teeth and could very well likely have been poisonous to boot, found in Antarctica. Now, I'd like my audience to think for just one second, what size of a food chain would it take to support a creature like this? Well, science has confirmed that Kulasukas did live for a very long time. In today's video, I'm going to put together some more puzzle pieces from this UFO incident in Varginha. I think we have been very close to something a lot of people have, including myself, but have missed the mark just slightly. This creature, like all other amphibians, is cold-blooded. Now you would think, how could a cold-blooded creature live in Antarctica? Well, it did. There's a great many heat sources beneath the ice, and in the past, it wasn't always frozen over. Who knows what is buried underneath the ice down there? Maps like this make me think, what one civilization could have controlled such a place? Well, maybe it wasn't just one. It's larger than the entirety of Europe. What if it was multiple different types of civilizations and beings living together, I guess, as peacefully as Europe is living together right now, if you watch the news? Maybe they had their own problems just like we do. But I'm sure some are asking, okay, great, what does that have to do with an amphibian? This story that happened in Brazil, where these three girls came upon this strange creature huddling by a wall. There was a craft that had crashed way out in the countryside. And they described the creatures as feeble, slimy, liver and kidney-like, but fearful. In fact, one of the girls was quoted as saying, it was more when my eyes made direct contact with its eyes, and I could just sense that it was suffering. Now, there's a piece of information we didn't cover in the video that we did a few days ago. It has to do with this slimy covering. I had made the allegation that it was some type of a reaction to the environment. It could have also been a defensive reaction. And I'd like you guys to listen to what else was said regarding this. 
you put it all together, a UFO crashed, and there were occupants that survived. And those occupants walked through the town and got captured. Where are they now? Well, apparently, I, I went to one of the hostels where they were taken, and then, um, and there was also another one, Officer Sharizi, who military, he was a military police officer, uh, Carlos uh mark marco marco Cherisi, i think his name was and he apparently handled one of these creatures now he didn't know et his orders were something got loose or something's like out an there. animal something whatever really strange if you see it capture it bring it back to you know and he did capture it with his bare hands and he got an infection and died really so we're in touch with his sister we're in touch with other family members and friends of his family we're in touch with the primary witnesses that saw the creature what did these creatures look like Now, that's where we picked it up last time. This officer, this police officer who touched this creature, got an infection and died. I want you guys to remember that. Touching the creature, whatever it was, resulted in a reaction that caused death. Now, do we have creatures on the planet right now that have that ability? We sure do. But we're going to tie this together with another part of the story. In 1963, a Turkish man took out a wall in his basement while renovating his house in Cappadocia in Turkey and was surprised to find a whole room behind it. Further digging revealed a labyrinthic network of rooms several hundred feet below the earth. It turned out to be the ancient underground city of Derinkuyu. Now, this is something that, when it was being created, would not have been a secret. Nobody could have hidden this. It could have been lost to time, of course, like it was. But during its construction, this underground city was so large, it could have housed 20,000 people. They had places to do everything you could do on the surface. This wasn't just some bomb shelter that they were going to occupy for two months or three months. It was a place they could live indefinitely. Now, some have made the allegation that they created this to flee from raiders or different military groups, like perhaps the Greeks. Well, the Greeks could have just chased them down right into these tunnels. This wouldn't have stopped the Greeks. And like I said, at the time, it wouldn't have been a secret. What would you have done with all the tailings? All of the material you excavated would have showed up somewhere, and... This was such a huge undertaking. Some of these tunnels go on for miles. In fact, there's one that's eight kilometers that leads to an entire other underground city. So what would this have been good for? What were they fleeing? You see, just like in Antarctica, there could be underground tunnels down there as well. But instead of there just being a nice sunny surface like in Turkey... Now there's ice, but it would protect you from something. Those underground cities and underground tunnels would be completely impenetrable to giants. Now I'm sure a lot of you are like, okay, what's going on? You were talking about amphibians and aliens, and now you're talking about giants and underground cities in Turkey. They're connected. We pulled this image out of a very old map from a long time ago. Giants that were fleeing from Antarctica across the land bridge into Argentina and Brazil. 
and we show them here, they have this giant shield, and they've got something in their hand, and they're being pursued by this winged serpent, literally not even trying to be touched at all. This might be why there are giants in North America, that they originated in South America and were chased out by something that they couldn't even touch. It was so poisonous. And it was represented like this, a lizard-like, snake-like creature described as a serpent. But what if it was more like, a, like an amphibian? Ectothermic, meaning cold-blooded. There are some incredibly, incredibly poisonous amphibians in the world. In fact, this one right here in the top center has enough to kill 200 men. They're called poison dart frogs. Now, wouldn't that line up with exactly what was described in Vargina? You had this creature, now much larger than a poison dart frog, but slimy skin, just like the frog has, and deadly, just like the frog has. And to put the final piece to this, I don't think that story that they told for the first few seasons of Game of Thrones was complete fiction or completely made up. I do truly believe that they lifted some of that out of reality from a lost history. Because they told the story of giants coming out of Antarctica, or in their case, what they called the North. The two pictures you're looking at side by side, the one on the right is allegedly a fictitious map created for the series Game of Thrones so that people could kind of get a lay of the land, so to speak. Well, when you invert Google Earth Pro and show where South America meets the Antarctic Peninsula, the entire area where the show takes place has been washed away. Let me see if I can uh, show you the similarities. What they call the north is actually the south up here. They have a thing called the Narrow Sea. That's here. They have a thing called the Summer Sea, the Argentine Sea. And literally, even the way the um, topography is, is the same. It's really frightening, but this is the connection. This is the connection. We talked about how these aliens are coming and taking cattle. Well, cows are not the same as elephants, which are not the same as mammoths, which we've also found in Antarctica. Cows are ungulates, meaning that they can eat very different things. They can eat things that and get nutrition from them that other animals can't. Now, they're very large creatures, of course, cows are, 1,000 pounds, but what if you could study them, figure out what they're doing, modify it for your own digestive system, and then move forward? Or what if you could have a herd of these that you could teach to be ungulates or you could modify genetically to be ungulates? You could feed them very different things. And that might be going on as well because we have found in Antarctica, oh, by the way, what looks like a woolly mammoth 
on the surface. The whole point of this video being, I truly believe these creatures, whatever they are, they are scientifically interested in achieving some end. And that they originated here on this planet, not in outer space. This is a picture from Siberia, by the way, where back in the 1900s they recovered an entire woolly mammoth. So the idea that they wouldn't still be alive is, I think, uh, ridiculous. But these creatures, there's something predictable about their behavior. And there's something very familiar to this planet about their appearance and their activity. The red eyes. We have all sorts of creatures, reindeer, cow, all sorts of people that have people and animals that have the ability to reflect light off of the back of their eyeballs. Their eyeballs just happen to be larger. Slimy skin. Well, we have amphibians that have slimy skin. Skin that's poisonous. We have that too. These creatures are from here. They're not from outer space. And when these peoples finally encountered giants and they had to flee underground just like perhaps in Antarctica they were doing so to flee from giants the giants who were in turn fleeing from these smaller creatures that were incredibly poisonous I think it all lines up with what we're seeing now in Europe it's, we've been in a state of, what, constant war now for, what, 22 years? Who's to say the same thing didn't happen down there? The only thing these tunnels would protect you from, truly, because it doesn't even look like these, these tunnels would have protected you from radiation because they were so open to the surface. At the time, for sure, they would have been before they were lost to history. But they would definitely protect you from giants. That was kind of the point of today's video. But we would love to have you over at Patreon. If you'd like to help support my work, um, sure do appreciate everyone who's been there. One U.S. dollar per month, that's the only level that allows you to get everything. There are some old deprecated buttons on the site over there at Patreon that say 50 and 20 and 10. They don't work, and there's no secret stuff behind them, so those of you who are over there seeing that, I just wanted to cover that one more time. We talk about how in a grid-down situation, psychological operations, the relationships that you have and your ability to foster them will be far more important than your preps. And I'll leave it there. God bless. Like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time.